your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and I am thankful that you are going to spend your next hour in what I'm calling, and I have been calling, the Hour of Thrive Time. Welcome to the show, everyone. I just want to let you know, if you're visiting the show for the very first time, how much I am appreciative of you taking time out of your schedule to invest in an hour where the content you're going to hear yet again today is is intended to help you thrive. And we've got a fantastic show ahead of you for you to embrace a thriving theme in your life. And we've got some fantastic guests. So if you're visiting for the first time, thank you. If you are a returning listener, then let me thank you for continuing to follow our show. Our show continues to expand week to week. We have a constantly growing audience, and I'm very, very excited about that. In fact, we have listeners today joining us from Jordan. Jordan is listening to our show today, and I'm excited about that. You know, the power of social media, the power of LinkedIn, it gives anyone a chance to listen to the show uh, from anywhere, really, and I'm appreciative that the show has taken on a global feel, and I am excited about 2021 as that continues to happen. And by the way, if you're listening to the show for the first time, make sure that you hop on over to my show site, thejmamietalkshow.com, and check out our prior episodes as we continue to compile on great content week after week with great guests, great themes, business spotlights, author spotlights, 25 under 25 spotlights, and of course, what I'm excited about is the impact spotlight section as well. Hop on over to the site. Make sure that you check out our business directory as well. And while you're at it, check out our regular website, thejmamie.com. We've got videos. I've got blogs. I've got books. We just launched our new book called Phraseology. You'll see it on our website. And also our merchandise store. We've got fantastic items on there that week to week people are just ordering and gobbling them up. Find out what the buzz is about when you go to my so when you go to my site, thejmamietalkshow.com. Look around. I'm sure you're going to find something that appeals to you in one way or another. But today's show is going to be fantastic. You know, the theme of my show today is going to be about reform. And I brought two people that highlight and epitomize the the movement of uh, reform because they have taken what they believe in and what they're passionate about. And they have constructed a campaign of reforming not only the way that we think about law and the criminal justice system, but how we thrive as a community, understanding both of those things. One of our guests today is Patrick Fitzgibbons. And boy, he's got quite the resume. Patrick is the host of the number one criminal justice podcast show, CJ Evolution, Criminal Justice Evolution. He's also the founder of CJ Evolution. He's a former Army paratrooper, retired police commander after 23 years of serving the community. Uh, he's a professor. He's a speaker, a leadership and mindset coach. And he's the author of the popular book, Evolve. And he's with us today to talk about reform and reform and reformation, not only in the areas of law and, and criminal justice, but more importantly, in our mindsets as well. And so, so he's going to join us a little bit later on in the show. We also have the founder of Rising Phoenix Center for Law and Politics, Adeline Ortiz, also a professor, also an attorney, will be here to help us understand what has to happen if we're going to thrive as a society in the law and how do we 
Embrace Reformation in law, and she's doing a great job teaching young people about that. So today's show is going to be geared and steered to understanding reform, and we're going to dive into that, dive into it in a few minutes. But I just want to talk a little bit about the the big game that happened last Sunday. You know, if you if you're listening to our show, you'll understand that we spoke about the big game, Kansas City Chiefs and uh, and the Buc- and the Buccaneers last Sunday in our our show. We had talked about obviously we didn't know what the outcome was. On Sunday, but we do know now, and and I just wanted to chime in with my show producer Pat because we sort of talked about the game last week, and here we go, completely not what we expected, but when you look back and you understand the discipline that it took for Tom Brady to really uh, take that team for through four quarters of, of precision football, it really doesn't amaze anyone that they came out on top at the way that they did because the discipline that he showed was something fantastic. What did you see about the game, Pat? Well, I thought the commercials were fun. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, for Tom Brady, I love him or hate him, and I'm, I'll, I'll personally say it, I'm sick of seeing him in that game, but <laughs> good Lord, the man can still play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like he got lucky and threw it one or two touchdowns. That was four touchdowns, and it, it, it could have been more. There were a couple that got dropped in the end zone, so to be able to do – and what he's doing, you could say, at that age, for an athlete, especially in that kind of sport at that age, uh, you have to respect him. It you really do. Great. Right? I mean, he just was a general on the field and disciplined and poised. And here we go. Now, seventh Super Bowl win. And uh, he has, he, listen, the guy shows no signs of stopping. And I don't think that no one's going to be uh, surprised at the least to see him back on the field next year. Well, I, kind of, I would like to see. This matchup again next year. Now, Kansas City, their offensive line, uh, some of them had the the COVID protocol Mm because of haircuts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So if you can get both teams at full strength, uh, I I think it'll be a much better game. There were some of those plays that Patrick Mahomes played that he should have been sacked for a 40-yard loss, yet somehow got miraculous passes off that hit the receivers in the hands. Right. And so he's got the talent. If he can just get get the guys in front of him to give him a few, uh, just a few more seconds, that game would have been a heck of a shootout. Yeah, you know, it's funny about it. What's great about it is that having a chance to watch that game and and picking up on these little nuances of of what could have made the game, of the outcome different. Uh, you know, at this point, it, it is what it is. You but you can't take anything away from the game uh, from both of the quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, you know, that discipline and that experience that Tom. Brady uh, displayed yet again as I, I believe what took them over the top and gave them that that unexpected winning edge. But I want to share with our listeners today a talk about reform because, listen, if you're going to thrive in anything in life, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your relationships, your marriage, wherever you're planning on thriving or have the intentions to thrive, here's the key. There has to come a point in time where you recognize and identify that reform has to occur. Now, we hear a lot about the word reform. We've always heard a lot about reform, right? But reform can occur in a community setting. It can occur in a corporate setting. Certainly in a political setting, it can occur anywhere. But it can also occur and should occur first within you. See, if you want to have a thriving life, a thriving community, a thriving business, a thriving family, a thriving 
uh, country, then you have to understand that reform first begins with you. You've got to be the one that takes a look in the mirror and says, what do I need to change? What has to happen in my life so I could become better, so as a better person, I can affect and infect the others in a better way? Reform starts with you personally. The person that looks in the mirror every single day has the one that is hell-bent on reforming areas of of your life that need reforming. Otherwise, nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to improve. And whatever situation you're facing yourself in, what whatever it is that you are challenged with, will not have any inkling, will not have any shot of, of improvement or, or change if you don't first embrace reforming begins with you personally. But apart from that, here's what reform requires. If we're going to take it to a community level, if we're going to take it to a corporate level, a a country level, reform requires you to have courage. Yeah, there's a few things that reform is going to require you to have, and true reform is going to require courage. That means you're going to have to go against the grain at times. You may have to rub institutions the wrong way at times. You may have to rub the establishment the wrong way at times. Listen, courage means that you will understand that along the way in your campaign to reform something, you're, you may alienate some friends and family and, and clients and colleagues. You may even face harassment. As well, if you are intent on reform, that's why it requires, first and foremost, courage. The second thing reform is going to require of you is vision and clarity. Now, here's what I mean about clarity. You have to know that that you're sure and that the end result, the end picture is so crystal clear that you will not be persuaded to the left or to the right when someone else sort of entices you with some other thought that can take you off the course that you started on in this journey to reform something. So you need vision and clarity so that what you see through to the end is exactly what you started with. What you see in the end is exactly the journey that you began. That it doesn't become a fad. That changing something is not a fad. It's not something that you all of a sudden join because other people are joining it as well. Um, and something that helps the the popular, something that will help the general public, not the select few. Reform is going to require, the next thing, folks, is going to require wisdom. Making sure that the cause for reform is legitimate and not fad-based or or as a measure of seeking popularity because everybody else is doing it, right? Uh, it, you have to seek the right resources. That's part of wisdom if you're serious about reformation. It's aligning yourself with people that are like-minded, if you're serious about reforming something, it takes wisdom to do that. And here's the last thing it takes. If you want true reform in anything, it takes quality-based ideas. Quality-based ideas that can bring about innovation. It could bring about change that everybody can agree with for the most part and that everybody can benefit for the most part. You cannot go uh, uh, as what I call a lone wolf uh, be a lone wolf reformer, meaning you're the only one that sees one thing that has to change and and no one else sees it that way and and you can't even get a few people around you. There's, there aren't any resource to help you with that. That's not reform. That's a personal agenda. And you have to understand what the difference between a personal agenda and true reformation of something that you believe needs to change for the greater good of everyone involved. Does that make sense? 
Today we're going to talk about reform as a way and a means to thrive as a country, as a community, as a people, and most importantly, uh, in our homes, personally, but corporately. We're going to talk about real reform in a way that helps us thrive. And we've got two of the best people to talk about that, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm excited about our first guest, Patrick Fitzgibbons, is coming up after the break. Have you recently left corporate America, want to start your own business, but don't have the funding? Hi, I'm Erica with Amaro Capital. We help people like you build the business you've always dreamed of. Let us show you how. Give us a call at 954-688-6488 or visit our website at amorocapital.com. That's A-M-O-R-O-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. You will grow old unless you die young. Plan to be alive and thriving at 85. I'm Marcy Cody RN, lead author of the Amazon bestseller, 90 Ways to Age Vibrantly, a baby boomer's devotional journal with 90 multicultural ways to tweak your routine that your future self will thank you for. Available on Amazon, but if you come to MarcyCodyRN.com, you will get free gifts and discounts not available anywhere. That's MarcyCodyRN.com. If you need a new AC system, call Milestone for a free quote, and we install it the same day we give you our upfront price. If you're going to get a new AC, get Milestone. Let's not say Milestone. Sounds... How about Milestone it? Much better. And what does it mean? Well, for one, we believe a correct AC installation must include a complete cleansing of your air ducts. So now we do that for free. A free duct cleaning. Because you should never hook a powerful new AC unit up to dirty, filthy air ducts. Because it blasts loose all clinging molds and bacteria, even viruses, blows them throughout your home. Disgusting. And it's a health risk. But since not everyone can afford the additional cost of a duct cleaning, we just do it for free. Let us milestone it. Need a new AC? Milestone it. We're online at callmilestone.com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Folks, this is Jay Mamie, and on the line right now, I'm excited to introduce our featured guest. I mentioned in our first segment that Patrick Fitzgibbons, not only is he the host of the number one criminal justice podcast show, CJ Evolution, but he's the founder of CJ Evolution, CJ standing for criminal justice. He's a former Army paratrooper, retired police commander after 23 years of service to the community. He's also a professor, a speaker, a leadership and mindset coach. He's also the author of the popular book, Evolve, and he's with us today. Patrick, welcome to the show, brother. Oh, wow, brother. Thank you for the... I was looking behind me going, who's Jay talking to? But uh, I appreciate coming on your show, brother. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Hey, before we dive into the goodness of what's going on with, uh, with you, Pat, why don't you share with us a little bit about your story? Well, again, thank you so much for the for the great intro, Jay, and uh, I think you summed it up pretty well. I mean, I spent uh, over two decades in law enforcement, experience at very capacity, uh, various capacities. Uh, the last being a police commander, I was in charge of police operations uh, on the street. That's all the patrol officers and, and other things. Uh, military veteran, 
uh, as you mentioned, served with the 82nd Airborne Division, jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. Uh, I'm still, still looking for my recruiter who lied to me. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I got a great family, great wife, kids. Uh, I live in the beautiful state of uh, Colorado, and life has been very, very good to me. Uh, and, again, just a great career in law enforcement, up and down like any career. But uh, I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm doing great. I, I have the book you talked about and the podcast. I appreciate the plug. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, just great to be here. Well, I appreciate having you on. Now, you spent 23 years in law enforcement as a yeah. police commander. It's a long time mm-hmm. uh, to serve yeah. the community. And, and then you had to pivot. What was the catalyst that really inspired you to take a completely different direction in your life? Yeah. Great question. I mean, I I just got to that point, Jay, where I knew I wanted to to do other things. I wanted to continue uh, teaching. I've been teaching at the higher educational level for for, uh, about a decade now, a little over a decade. And I wanted to do more teaching. Of course, I wanted to write the book. Uh, It was pretty hard to to focus on that with my police uh, responsibilities. And then, of course, I wanted to grow and work more on the podcast, which you mentioned, uh, something, again, uh, that it's uh, tough to do when you're working full time uh, mm-hmm. in law enforcement. I started the show when I was still in law enforcement, but quite simply, I just wanted something different. I wanted to change the scenery and I wanted to go out on top, which I which I did. Well, I'm glad that you decided to take that uh, pivot because it ha- <laughs> has helped so many people in a very yeah. different way, right? A very different way. Yeah, yeah. But where yeah, do you see? It. Oh, you're welcome, brother. And I opened up the show today with a conversation about reform and how yeah. reform first has to happen individually looking at the mirror and deciding, okay, what do I need to change about my life before I make an impact in the lives of others in my community, in my country? I have to start with reformation in in my own personal uh, space. But moving beyond that, where do you see the greatest reform that needs to occur in the criminal justice system today? Yeah, great question. I I think there's a lot of different things that uh, areas that we need to work on. But I think first and foremost, there there has to be more transparency and accountability. Look, we, we, you know, for those in the criminal justice system that are listening, this is not a knock on the criminal justice system. But I think in, in you know, recent incidences over the last couple of years, high profile cases that we've seen, the police, I don't think, did a good enough job, you know, uh, with trans, being transparent and being, you know, the, the era of not being that accountable. And, and I, again, I, I know in an active investigation, you want to be careful with what you're releasing to the public. But I think, you know, in cases like uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I think we could have done a better job uh, as a police uh, community and the police profession as a whole to provide more transparency uh, and um, definitely more accountability in those particular cases. And, and that's what the public wants, mm-hmm. Jay. I mean, that's that's what the public uh, pays us for, and uh, that's what they want. And now, again, that's not an indictment on all the police agencies out there. I'm just saying, Overall, I think as a profession, we need to work on uh, more accountability and more transparency. I think you'd have no one that would disagree with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the things that I'm hoping is on the table for reform moving forward is just a higher degree of transparency. So the public feels that not only are they being taken care of in terms of of serving and and being uh, being served and being protected, but also when something funky goes down, that they're also in the loop without anything that they feel is being done behind the scenes where they uh, where the they're not getting a fair shake at, at the honest truth of what happened. I think that's where people really want to have that transparency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's but the thing is, too, is, is that, the, you know, the, the public, 
is is often you know not very they they don't really know how police operations work they get most of their information from television and the movies and we need to do a better job at educating the public about what we actually do you mm-hmm. know as a, as a police force and what you see on television is not necessarily what happens in real life so what does this country need to come to grip with if we're going to thrive as a nation in the criminal justice system? That's a great question. You know, first of all, Jay, I think we all need to realize that we all need to be at the the same table. I mean, Mm -hmm. it can't just be law enforcement sitting at the table. It has to be the community. Uh, Too often I I see that the community is just wants, you know, to defund. They want to get rid of the police. They want to, that's not a, that's not a solving an issue. That's not solving the problem. That's a knee jerk reaction based off emotion. And I'm not, saying that we haven't gone through some emotional times in recent years with some of these cases and other things that are going on. But that's not that's not a uh, that's that's not going to solve the problem. Uh, The reality is police are here to stay. You know, everybody has to be at that table to work and come up with, you know, problems that we are dealing with. And I I think I've seen, at least from my perspective uh, in, in the last couple of years, is, you know, you know, the public doesn't not everybody, but, you know, they just want police disbanded and that's it or defunded, and that's it. I think everybody needs to be at that table. Policing is a very, very difficult uh, profession, very complex. And I think the more people at that table, the more solutions you're going to come up with. You know, it's funny you mention that because in my earlier episode, in the earlier segment, rather, I talked about that reform requires four things. It requires courage, vision, mm-hmm. wisdom, and then quality-based ideas. And I think that yeah. you would agree that defunding police agencies isn't one of those quality-based ideas. Would you agree? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I mean really. You know, this, this whole thing with defunding the police, I, I, think, um, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think when people look at uh, defunding, defunding doesn't mean taking – all it means is just moving money from one area and po- focusing it more on training. So when, you know, people are saying, you know, defund the police, it, it – it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking all the money away from the police department. So I, I think, like I said earlier, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. It's, it's not going to happen. The public needs police. We need the public. We might scale back on, on certain things and programs, but the reality is we're not, we're not going to stop defunding the police. They tried that, you know, uh, Jay, and you mm-hmm. probably know, maybe your listeners did. They tried that in Minneapolis after George Floyd. You know, some of the politicians out there were calling for disbanding the police altogether. And I think they uh, they tried to do that. I think they were successful to some degree. And then shortly after, the same politicians that wanted this are asking the police to come back because crime, shockingly, is through the roof. So, you know, it's just it's it's kind of one of those political, you know, feel good terms with some of their constituents. Oh, yeah, we're going to take money away from the police and that's going to solve all the problems. The reality, it's it's not going to happen. Now, and better ideas have to be uh, brought to the table. Exactly. I clearly, clearly agree with you. Now, I, I have in my financial services career and, and, and really in my entrepreneurial development, I work with a lot of individuals in law enforcement. I have clients that are police officers. I'm from New York and grew up in a barrio, Spanish Harlem, and uh, mm-hmm. there's no shortage of, of activity there and went to school in the Bronx. And again, same thing. And, and along the way, I've developed a relationship with great guys that were on the job. Some of my best friends mm-hmm. have been on the job. Some of my clients have been on the job. I know that from just that those relationships that I've developed, that the stress levels that these brothers are, are under is incredible. Um, and you've dealt with that. You as a commander yep. dealt with that. I believe you had an agency of 20, 25 officers that you mm-hmm. uh, commandeered. 
But what is it that the public needs to know about the stress levels that law enforcement officials deal with on a daily basis? Well, yeah, it's a great question. And the public, I think, for the most part, has no idea because they're going off, again, what they see in movies and the television, for the most part, and getting a, their idea of what policing is based on that. And that's far from, from, from what actually occurs. The stress levels in law enforcement, Jay, and you, 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 know, you talk to your friends that are on the job. I mean, it's, it's through the roof. Mm-hmm. Not only do we have the environment we're in right now, which causes obviously more stress, the job has always been stressful. But now when you have uh, some of the more of the anti-police sentiment out there that we're seeing, that just adds to the stress of the job. Look, we, we have in NYPD, what, a year ago had, or a year or two got, had, you know, somebody, you know, sneak up on these, these poor cops that were sitting in their patrol car and, and right. execute them. So, mm-hmm. you know, the stress level is through the roof with, with, with officers. Not only do they have to worry about, you know, somebody sneaking up on them and, and capping them in their car, but uh, they, they, the stress care comes home often. And, and you know, it, you bring that into your home. So it's a very, very stressful job, you know, for, for law enforcement, especially now. You know, attrition rates are through the roof. You know, we're not seeing the numbers getting replenished like we used to, meaning people aren't coming into the field as much as they used to. So that causes more stress on the officers, obviously, longer shifts, uh, things like that. So, you know, I would just, you know, for those listeners out there, I mean, who are are quick to judge officers. And let me let me just preface by saying we should we we should be under the microscope by the very nature of our nature of our job. But the listeners out there that think that somehow. You know, this isn't a very difficult job. That's ridiculous. I mean, I was always stressed out. Now I had avenues where I could release that stress. But, you know, the officers are stressed out. There's a reason why we have a high degree of heart disease and things like that, because it is a very stressful job. I know that the higher the stress, the greater the degree for mental health instability. Exactly. And yeah. let's talk a little bit about that, because you're a big proponent of mental health, not only for first responders, but obviously for those that are still uh, walking the mm-hmm. beat and, and driving the roads. Um, what have you seen and what have you done in, in your career to help those that are struggling with a high level of stress that is really becoming an issue with mental uh, mental health? Well, that's a great question. And I, I think what we need to do is, is better as a law enforcement community is first uh, recognize that we're suffering. Not everybody's out there suffering, but, you know, recognize if you're suffering and start asking for help. I think we're a proud profession. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's, it's often an attack on our, you know, macho-ness or whatever you want to call it. If, if we come forward and, and say, well, you know, I need some help. And I've been through that, Jay. I mean, there's, I, I suffered from depression, uh, you know, at periods of time in, in my career, and I had to ask for help. So I think first and foremost, recognize that you're struggling and then go forward and ask for help. Now, I know for the law enforcement officers listening out there, you know, I, some of them, you know, a lot of them are thinking, well, that's a stigma I'm going to have if I ask for help. If I ask my department, uh, I, I can't speak for any every department out there, but it is getting a lot better with a lot of agencies. Uh, and But that's the first step, man. I mean, you, you, you know. You know, you got to take that first step. I think Martin Luther King said, you don't have to see the whole staircase. staircase. You just got to take that, you know, first step. And so if you're struggling out there, and this is what I help try to help with, with officers through my show and other things, is you got to take that first step, man. You got to ask for help. And, you know, we got too many officers, you know, 2019 was, was a horrible year. 2020 was a horrible year for officer suicide. So you just got to recognize, you know, uh, you know when, you're, when you're suffering and, and, you know, again, take that first step. And I think what we can do from a public standpoint, if if thriving as a community is important to us, and I hope that it is, I know what it is to our listeners, 
But mm-hmm. we've got to be able to, as I said earlier in my show, courage, reform takes courage. We've yep. got to be also the ones to meet officers halfway and allow them to, to rather have them understand that it's okay if they seek uh, help, if they um, if they go out and, and pursue the resources they need in order to, to to decompress, to lower that stress level so they can perform and thrive better at their job. And, and we cannot allow them to think anything less of that. That takes courage on our part as a community, and that takes courage, obviously, on the officer's part as well. I think if we can meet in the middle, we're going to thrive big time. Yeah, there's there's nothing we can't solve if we come together. I mean, very, very rarely can people solve problems by themselves. You know, it takes a village. It takes the community. That's right. And I agree. I agree with you, brother. Brother, when we come back after the break, well, let's talk about how do we move away from a toxic environment by shifting our mindset? Let's pick that conversation up after the break. It's tax season. Are you aware of all the changes that are taking place? Is your tax professional available year round? At ALR Tax and Accounting Services, you're treated as family. We're here for you year-round. We have over 40 years of experience. Come visit us at our office or we can meet virtually. We can be reached at 347-913-4135. And the email is alrtaxforyou, number four letter U at gmail.com. Mention the Jay Mamie Show for a 10% discount. We look forward to working with you. Jay Mamie writes in his latest bestseller, Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On, that your potential to thrive will always be hindered if you're battling invisible enemies of worry, fear, doubt, and discouragement that only stagger and stunt your focus, your energy, your creativity, and your joy. Go to thejmamie.com for a copy of the book that many are calling a masterpiece. Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On at thejmamie.com. That's T-H-E-J-A-Y-M-A-Y-M-I.com. I struggled with symptoms like like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line, we've got Patrick Fitzgibbons, and he's just absolutely giving us incredible information and content. And now we're going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, Sticking to the point of reforming yourself, reforming your community so we can all thrive Patrick, you spent two decades in one of the most toxic environments that anyone can spend time in. Uh, how can anyone, whether in law enforcement or not, escape the toxic- toxicity of their environment without necessarily quitting altogether? That's a great question. And that's, I mean, uh, whether, like you said, Jay, whether you're in law enforcement or not, or not, you know, a lot of people are in jobs. I know this is probably not a shock to you or maybe your listeners that they don't like. And, and for a variety of reasons, but getting back to your question about toxic environments, look, if you're in a position where you just can't leave, 
the organization or your job because a lot of people are in that position. A lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, feel what quote stuck, even though I don't think you're ever really stuck, but some people have, you know, people have different circumstances. I would, you know, as far as law enforcement goes, you, you, you brought up a great point. You know, it's a very toxic environment. That's just the nature of the job. So what are you doing to kind of mitigate that toxicity? Meaning are you, you know, falling into, you know, the negative people within an organization. Are you, are you part of those conversations? Are you, are you surrounding yourself with the people that are negative in an organization? So, you know, quite simply, if you're in an environment like that, or you keep finding yourself, you know, talking to the naysayers or the negative people, you don't have to hang out with them. (laughs) That's right. You know, you don't have, there's no rule. There's no law that says you have to hang out with those people. That's one of the things I did, Jay. So, I mean, I started, you know, and I love law enforcement, you know that, but I started kind of disassociating with myself with the kind of the negative officers. So that's, that's one thing. I mean, who are you surrounding yourself with? So if you can't lead the organization, stop hanging around the negative people. The other thing is taking better care of yourself, man. You know, take, I I got to a point where I was gaining weight and I said, you know, screw this. I mean, I'm going to go to the gym again. I need to start working out. So Mm -hmm. that makes, that makes you feel good. You know, I mean, and, and science proves this, you know, what are you eating? So that all goes into, you know, bringing that toxicity or living with that toxicity, you know, and, and, you know, I, I really am a firm, uh, big believer that who you hang out with, you know, you're, you're going to become. So uh, again, and, and, you know, toxicity, I love talking about this because a lot of it deals with mindset too. And I know we're going to talk about that is shifting your mindset, you know, being grateful, all that stuff is going to help mitigate those, those, that toxicity uh, maybe in a, in a toxic environment. And I I agree with what you said because what you allow yourself to be exposed to uh, in an overwhelming degree is what you're going to carry with you throughout the day, right? It's what you allow yourself to be exposed to. And if you allow yourself to be exposed to things that are negative and things that are uh, of a a downcast nature, um, you're not going to be able to fend off yourself from arriving at that same place because it's it's in you, it's in your bloodstream, it's in your environment, it's in your vibrational uh, um, setting. Uh, so barricading yourself, and I talk a lot about personal barricade. Um, I, I mentioned it's funny. One of my recent talks, I, I I mentioned, I sort of gave the parallel comparison that uh, at the Capitol Hill riots a few weeks ago, uh, you had barricades, and those barricades are there to keep the negative stuff out. Now, it didn't do a very good job that day, mm-hmm. but. You've got to wake up every morning and create your own personal barricades so that you keep the negative stuff, the bad stuff, at length, at bay, and not allow it to get too close where it can infect and affect the most precious piece of property you have, which is yourself. And uh, now, which we're going to talk about, your mindset. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You have the, Look, you can't control some of the stuff in life, but you can control what's going on in the six inches between your ears. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody can control that but you. You don't have to allow this into your life, and so many people do. So what would you say, and I know you do a lot of coaching on this. You're a leadership coach. You're a mindset coach now, and, and, and uh, uh, you have walked the walk, and that's why you talk the talk, okay? But what's the proper mindset? to cultivate in order to thrive even in those most difficult and stressful of surroundings? I would tell people to, to cultivate a mindset of gratitude. Look, in, in, in my opinion, Jay, it, it, it starts with being more grateful, having a, a gratitude practice. Look, my feet don't hit the floor uh, when I get up in the morning until I go through my gratitude uh, practice. What do I mean? Well, first of all, I woke up. I'm alive. 
you know, I'm grateful for being here, that, that God or whoever you believe in, higher power, gave me this neck, you know, this day. So when you start cultivating uh, a mindset of gratitude, and I know some people are thinking, well, you know, my, my job, I don't like my job, and I'm going through a divorce, I'm going, you still have something, a lot to be grateful for. So when you, that really was pivotal for me, brother, when I started kind of changing my mindset and realizing that, yeah, the job is difficult, but at least I have a job. Mm-hmm. So many people don't. Yeah, you know, I, that person bugs me. But I got all these other friends over here that are positive and uplifting that are bringing me up. I'm grateful for that. So I know for some people it might sound kind of uh, hokey. And, uh, trust me, it works. So the proper mindset, in my opinion, is starting – that day, you know, in, in a mindset uh, of gratitude. And I'm, trust me, man, your, your life's going to change for the better. I completely agree with you. Embracing that mindset of gratitude the first thing in the morning really just changed the trajectory yeah. of your thoughts for the rest of the day. And, and it really well, does work, folks out there. It really does. Well, think about it. You know, you get up in the middle of the night, and I, it happened to me, and you stub your toe. Most people are on a downward spiral. Ah, man. <laughs> and that, that's going to affect the rest of the day, right? Absolutely. Now I'm, not, now, I'm not seeing being grateful for the stub toe, but I'm just saying going back to what we were talking about, my mindset, brother, you control, you know, what is going on in your head. And I think the problem out there is so many people believe that things are out of their control, that they have no control, that there's some invisible hand that is making them hang out with you know, the toxic people or making them make poor decisions regarding whatever. They have no control. Man, you got more power than you realize. So start your day off in gratitude. You know, I mean, be grateful for what you have because trust me, no matter ba- how bad you have it, somebody has it worse. Great words of wisdom. Great words of wisdom, Patrick. Let me ask you a very important question from a leadership standpoint because you were a leader in uh, in military. You quickly became a, a leader in in law enforcement. So you've dealt with people and obviously you're coaching and working with all sorts of different individuals from all walks of life. In your assessment, what, why, what is it exactly that, that people never initiate? Um, or why is it that they never initiate the necessary changes in order to thrive? Well, I think, you know, you, you, you said it, you know, the change, you I mean, we're all creatures of habit. We, we don't like, most of us don't like getting out of that comfort zone. You know, the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mentality. I, I think that's the biggest obstacle of a lot of people. They, they're just, they're comfortable. They, they, won't, they don't want to step out of that comfort zone. And what people don't realize is that's where the growth is. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the growth is being uncomfortable. I mean, look at Jay, take you, your radio show. You had to at some point say, look, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do this. I might get criticized or I might, people might give me a hard time, but now you've got a huge Radio show, you're successful. It's taking that uncomfortable route is where the growth is. So getting back to what you were saying about leaders, and you know, a lot of it, in my opinion, is you know they just don't want to take that first step. They don't want to change. They you know they think they're going to be ridiculed. They think people are going to make fun of them. That comes along with success. People, people are always going to criticize you and things like that. So get used to it. Embrace it. That's where the growth is. And that's exactly what we talked about earlier, courage. It takes courage to do yeah, exactly. all of that stuff. You know, it, it takes courage to initiate change. It really, really does. Let's talk about your book. You wrote a book yeah. that has uh, gotten tremendous uh, fanfare, great reviews. Uh, it certainly is impacting the lives of those that are reading it. The book is called Evolve. It has yeah. special meaning, doesn't it? 
Yeah, the, uh, Evolve, uh, the Evolve name is actually an acronym that I came up with, and that kind of leads into the coaching. But, yeah, it's a, it's a micro book that I, I wrote uh, for criminal justice professionals. Really, it's for anybody. Um, but, yeah, the E is elevate. We've been talking about, you know, elevating and specifically elevate your mindset. So that's what the E stands for. Uh, visualize. I'm a big visual, uh, visual person. I, I really do believe that if we visualize things and really focus on that, not only focus on it and visualize, but back it up with action, most of what we want is probably going to come to fruition. So visualize. That's the V. O is others. I mean, who are you surrounding yourself with? Like we talked about, brother, Jim Rohn, famous Jim Rohn said years ago, you know, the average of the five you associate with. So I always tell people, whether it's coaching or just, you know, talking to people, who are you associating with? Because that's going to impact your life, believe it or not. You know, it's old, it's the old saying, brother, you know, and your listeners know when we were growing up, you know, your mom or your dad or your guardian or whatever said, hey, don't hang out with those people. They're bad people. Why? Because if you associate with those people, then there's a pretty good chance that you're going to end up where they're at. So O is others. Uh, L is love your life. Look, if you don't love your life, man, how are you going to love others? How are you going to take care of others if you don't love? And not in a narcissistic way, but you have to love yourself. And loving yourself means taking care of yourself so you can take care of others. So uh, that's L. V, victories every day. You know, I mean, you know, every day you have things to be Uh, to celebrate. It goes into that gratitude we were talking about. You're alive, man. That's a victory. Mm -hmm. You have a job or you have a relationship, you know, whatever. You have a house or whatever. You always have something to be grateful for. So celebrate those victories. And E is every day show up and be your best. You know, there there, there were times in law enforcement, I I didn't want to go to work. You know, I was bummed out, but every day I showed up and I put forth my best. So that's the acronym, brother. That's the micro book. And thank you for, for mentioning it. I, I sure do appreciate it. I tell you what, I would encourage anyone out there um, to go pick up your book. It's a wonderful piece of work. And I think that the acronym is so on point. Every one of those letters in uh, of the acronym really stands for something that can be life-changing if you embrace it. In our last minute, uh, Patrick, in our last minute, what's the one golden nugget of wisdom that you can depart on my listeners? Uh, Great, Jay. First of all, thank you again, brother, for having me. You know, I would say, you know, the biggest thing, the takeaway I could tell your listeners is you have the power. Like I said before, you have the power to change your life for the better, or you can just sit and, you know, live in mediocrity like a lot of people do. You have the power. You've always had the power. Go out there, do what you want to do, but it does take work. It takes action. Patrick, you've brought us a great show. You brought us great content. Obviously, I, I know that there's a whole lot more we, you and I can speak about, and we're going to have you in the show once again down the down the road. Uh, but what's next for you in our last 30 seconds? <laughs> great question, brother. You know, I'm, I'm kicking around the idea of a new book. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, working on the show, growing my podcast, CJ Evolution, and radio. You know, I, I'm really, really interested in radio. Uh, and maybe uh, I'll have my own radio show like you, brother, All somewhere right. down the line. Well, as you continue to develop, keep us in the loop, and we'll continue to promote your message and you as best we can. Patrick, thanks for being on the show, brother. Thank you, Jay. It's an honor, brother. Thank you. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to visit my merchandise store. You can find it at thejmamie.com. A number of my inspirational, thought-provoking, action-stoking phrases and quotes that have been so much 
in demand over the last four or five years now are available in print. You can print them on your favorite coffee mug, print them on a poster. Take my thrive-minded content with you wherever you go. Visit my store at thejmamie.com. Are you experiencing chronic pain and discomfort in your back, joints, or neck? Have you tried a number of remedies, treatments, and prescriptions without feeling any better? If so, schedule a consultative visit with my friend, Dr. Carlos Chapa from the Acupuncture and Integrative Medical Center in Las Colinas. He's a holistic doctor specializing in Eastern medicine and will treat the reason why you have the pain. Call 972-444-0660 today to book a visit or visit drchapa.com. That is D-R-C-H-A-P-A.com. If you need a new AC system, call Milestone for a free quote and we install it the same day we give you our upfront price. If you're going to get a new AC, get milestone. Let's not say milestone. Sounds How about milestone it? Much better. And what does it mean? Well, for one, we believe a correct AC installation must include a complete cleansing of your air ducts. So now we do that for free. A free duct cleaning. Because you should never hook a powerful new AC unit up to dirty, filthy air ducts. Because it blasts loose all clinging molds and bacteria, even viruses, blows them throughout your home. Disgusting. And it's a health risk. But since not everyone can afford the additional cost of a duct cleaning, we just do it for free. Let us milestone it. Need a new AC? Milestone it. We're online at callmilestone.com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, we've got our featured guest for the Impact Spotlight segment of our show. I love the Impact Spotlight segment of our show because it gives us a chance to get to know those that are making an impact in certain areas of our community. And today, boy, we've got a great one in our Impact Spotlight segment. I mentioned earlier, Professor and Attorney Adeline Ortiz is the founder of Rising Phoenix Center for Law and Politics, and she's doing great work with the youth in that area. And she's on the show today. Adeline, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Before we wrap up, we, we dive into the goodness of what you've, you're doing with your organization. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself? Of course. Um, well, I was raised in a uh, single-parent home in the South Bronx, and I went from there to Lehman College in Bedford Park in the north area of the Bronx. From there, I went on to law school in Buffalo, and uh, I went on to build a career in the insurance industry and, and law firms, and I'm currently with an insurance defense law firm and raising two amazing teenagers who are both in college now. So you are a single parent from the Bronx raising two kids, and you achieved uh, not just one prestige uh, career, but two as a professor, as an attorney. Uh, I, I got to imagine that for anyone out there who is in similar scenarios and making excuses, you are the excuse eliminator because you've done some great things in a <laughs> in a somewhat difficult situation. Is that true? Um, yeah, it's pretty fair to say that. It wasn't easy growing up in the South Bronx mm-hmm. in the 80s. Um, you know, by all accounts, it was a very challenging period in, in our history in New York City. Um, and, of course, particularly for me, being a teenager and trying to work my way out of that environment. So what inspired you to start Rising Phoenix Center for Law and Politics? 
Well, I've been inspired by the law for many years, starting when I was uh, 13 years old and attended my uncle's sentencing hearing at the time. Uh, he had been sentenced 20 years to life for an armed robbery, and, you know, that was my introduction to the law, a very negative one, just like many of the teenagers in the Bronx today are getting very negative exposure to law and politics, and uh, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to give them a positive introduction to law, the legal profession, law and enforcement and our political process and let them know that they can be a part of it and that they can do great things with it. On your LinkedIn uh, profile, the uh, the profile that uh, highlights Rising Phoenix, one of the things I noticed that was pretty cool was you hold these mock trials and you literally have teenagers and, and young adults in those mock trials learning more about uh, the process of a trial, and I think for a lot of kids in the Bronx, and again, I grew up in Spanish Harlem, I, I would have never had any exposure to that. Um, I think it's so important for them to see that, number one, how important it is to uh, to, to get involved in, in law, um, but also the process of, of how it should happen, not what they see on TV. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, it makes perfect sense, absolutely. Um so, yes, one of the things that the Rising Phoenix does is coach mock trial teams. And so we work with middle schools throughout New York City and Westchester County, and we basically go into the classroom and, and do trial prep with these uh, middle schoolers, 12, 13 years old, 11 years old, mm -hmm. um, and train them in how to try their case. We, we share the facts with them and you know, give them some tips on on prosecution side, on the defense side, um, gather witnesses, how to prepare their witnesses and, and present evidence, and we take them into a courtroom and, and let them go through the motions, which this is probably a good time to add. I'm, I'm not an attorney. I have a law degree, so there's a difference. I'm okay. not a licensed attorney. I have a law degree that I've used in many ways throughout my career. So when did you begin to see a need rise for your organization to launch? The need has always been there. I mean, it is really about preserving our, our democracy and promoting it with our with our young generations and our future generation of kids. Uh, for me, I have been a college professor since 2004, this being my 17th year doing that. And it always amazed me that my students would come to the college level having absolutely no idea who their representatives are or, or anything about the political system or process. And worse yet, not caring. <laughs> they were mm -hmm. really just not interested in knowing. And I thought, I have to do something about this. You know, I really need to get these kids much younger. And so that's what, what uh, encouraged me to, to start the Rising Phoenix. I think the initiative is fantastic. Cause me and uh, my prior guest, uh, Patrick Fitzgibbons, we, he's a criminal justice reformer. Um, and one of the things we were talking about is it's it's very difficult to encourage the younger generation to pursue a career where – what they perceive that career to be is nothing more than either a very stressful uh, career or a toxic environment. And certainly uh, the, the, the environment of law today and, and even the environment of politics today has gotten a bad rap, right? And it's, it's, it's toxic. So, so what you're doing in teaching young people that is not necessarily the case I think is so critical uh, as part of the organization. 
Well, you raise an extraordinary point, Jay, because it's true. I mean, any any kid turning on the TV today and seeing thousands of, of people storm the U.S. Capitol or, you know, thousands of people burning down cities and calling that democracy and thinking that this is, is sort of the, the only way to have your voice heard in this in this country is, is scary to me because the next generation is going to think that this is what it takes mm-hmm. to effectuate change in this nation and that that is the definition of democracy, um, and it's not. It's really not. It's just the news of the day. It's just a moment. But the, the real change comes when you understand and engage with and interact with our legal and political systems, and you're part of it in a meaningful and positive way. What is the foundation uh, when you started? What is it that you aim to achieve uh, with the foundation, not only now but as it continues to develop? Well, um, again, the most important thing for me is to raise awareness within the the young generation, the young students today, to help them to have that positive interaction with the law, law enforcement, and the political process, and and seeing that there are good things that can come from understanding and engaging it and voting, getting informed, um, versus some of the really negative experiences that they're having or that they're just seeing on TV. So it's really important for them to be a part of that. And nothing makes me happier when, you know, than when I walk into the courtroom and I watch my 12-year-olds litigate a criminal case, mm. <laughs> actually litigate it <laughs> using, you know, legal terminology and, and actually trying their case and presenting evidence. It's one of the most exciting moments in, in, in my life to be able to experience that. Um, and for them, and for them too, they never forget it. You know, and they they appreciate it, and they come to see the law uh, and the the judicial system from a very different perspective. How do you find the young folks uh, that are interested in in being a part of your your organization? Where do you find them? Uh, well, I work with the schools. I mm-hmm. reach out to um, principals, high school principals and assistant principals, um, guidance counselors, deans, and I introduce myself. I let them know what programs are available, and, and I go in and meet with them and, and see if we can implement a mock trial program or even a debate coaching. I've, I've coached high school debate teams. Um, one of my high school debate teams in the Bronx went on to compete on a national level at Princeton and Yale and, and wow. um, yeah, at Harvard, uh, and they were extraordinary. And some of the high school students that I've since coached on debate teams have gone on to some of the best colleges in the nation. Well, the, obviously the, the success of the organization and what you're doing is, is apparent because you have so many uh, other organizations coming alongside of you to support you, and that's fantastic. In our last couple of minutes here, where do you see the greatest change? And here's a loaded question. I know there's a long answer to here uh, <laughs> because it is require, it requires a long answer. But where do you see the greatest need for change currently in law and then in politics today? Well, the law is a living, breathing thing that changes always. You know, it, it does. Sometimes it changes slowly, but it, it does change. Um, in terms of politics, however, the, the greatest change really has to come from, from the top. It has to come from the leadership and from what the nation is seeing in terms of working together, having a civil discourse, finding that middle ground. I mean, this is what I teach the kids when I go into the schools, and yet they turn on the TV, and what they're seeing are two sides who, who who can't get along, 
who are debating every issue and arguing about everything, not finding their middle, middle ground, and really stalling uh, law and the legislative process. And that's, it's, it's sad and it's tragic, but really what we need is more harmony in the process, in the political process, so that things can actually get done. And that comes from finding the middle ground and trying to have more respect and appreciation for the uh, uh, opposite side's views. Well, I, I can share with you that you absolutely epitomize what I said earlier is the ingredients for reform to occur. It, it takes courage. It takes wisdom. It takes clarity and vision. And it takes quality-based ideas. And you've put all of that together. You've stuck your neck out, and you've put this uh, organization together to make an impact in the lives of young people in two areas where it matters most in our in our country. And we appreciate you doing that. Where could people go to learn more about your organization, Adeline? Um, well, they can they can always reach me at rising.phoenix912 at gmail.com uh, or, or by phone at 929-231-8604. Um, and it can also reach us on, on the website. And we, you know, with a search for Rising Phoenix Center for Law and Politics, easily find us. Adeline, we appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate what you're continuing to do. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Jay, for having me. Folks, that's a wrap for this week. We talked about reform. I hope you walked away with some nuggets. Make sure that this week you make it a thriving week, and we'll see you again next Sunday.